Hi, I'm Sam Germano, and welcome to the Uprooted Podcast, where we'll be uncovering the underlying meaning of health and what it means to us today. Let's sit down with the experts and trailblazers to understand the why and how, break down barriers, and blend our mental, physical, and emotional well-being. Grab your headphones, turn the volume up, and let's uproot. Andy Khalifer is a holistic nutritionist and a certified nutritional practitioner based out of Toronto. Andy encourages a mindset that food is nourishment and that it's so important to look at our health with a 360-degree approach, taking into account what you eat, what you expose yourself to, and how you take care of your emotional well-being. One thing we have in common is that we believe we must take care of ourselves mentally first and then consuming the right foods comes naturally. Conversely, Andy shares tips and tricks on how to eat in a way that fuels our mental health to ultimately combat stress and anxiety. In a world where we're constantly being fed with information of different wellness trends to try, it's nice to have guidance of how to best navigate that and what to do that makes sense for our bodies individually. And that's what Andy and I get into. Hi, Andy. Hi. I'm so excited to talk all things holistic nutrition and mental health with you. It's become such a prevalent part of the health industry that is getting more and more attention. I'd like to think that we're shifting our perspective on our relationship with food to view it as something that's nourishing instead of something that we have to deprive ourselves of or constantly think about. But we're going to get into all that. Before we do, let's start off with you. Tell us a bit about your background and how you got into holistic nutrition. Hello, I'm Andy and um, I'm a holistic nutritionist from Toronto. And my background lies in marketing and graphic design. And I studied that for four years in Toronto. And essentially how it kind of led me to nutrition, I just felt super passionate about nutrition and wellness always through kind of my undergrad. And I found that I always, every project I had, I always related back to health and wellness. And I like marketing and stuff, and I knew I can find a job afterwards in it, but it was nothing I was super, super passionate about. So when it came time to graduate, I was like, okay, what now? And that pressure of finding a job, and I decided to take the summer off, and I traveled to Bali and Thailand and Australia, and I got super inspired just being in the culture and, you know, seeing the food there and just that they had that whole holistic kind of lifestyle and super natural And then when I came back from traveling, I was like, okay, I want to pursue this. I want to make people healthier. It was something that I truly, truly felt passionate about. So I took the leap of faith. I studied holistic nutrition in Toronto. It was a 12-month intensive school program. And I graduated last November. And now I'm working as a holistic nutritionist. And I love it. Congrats. Thank you. I want to touch upon the travels that you endured. What about it from other countries were you like, wow, this is something that that we should be adopting or these are practices that we should be implementing in our culture? So even like our first stop was Thailand and I found it was so earthy and natural there. And even from everything, the way they dressed to kind of their lifestyle was so simple to their food. Um, You know, just they have everyone had gardens and they really cooked Mm -hmm kind of what's in their culture and what's grown there. It's obviously a poor country, so they just aren't able to have access to like that, you know, that commercialized, that industrial type food market. But I found that was so cool. I got intrigued by the way they lived and um, how their dishes were so, they were all amazing. And I just even the way they cooked and their flavors and all of that, I took a cooking school there. That was super cool. Mm -hmm. 
and Bali too, like they have a huge emphasis on healthy foods and just eating array of vegetables and spices. And I just was super empowered because, you know, and I'm from Toronto, Canada and here, I mean, it's lots of fast food, same as America. And it's just such a different culture. And I was super culture shocked, but it really empowered me to kind of take a step further. And I've always been into, you know, health and wellness, but I saw it kind of with my eyes and it was super surreal. I had a a similar revelation when I traveled to Europe. Different, but similar in the sense that I loved their outlook on food. They ate carbs and they ate dairy and they had (laughs) pretty much whatever they wanted and and felt like eating without this shame. They looked at Mm -hmm. food as as this really beautiful nourishing foods that are only going to do good for them. And totally just like there wasn't this negativity or or guilt if they if if they indulged, which I I found to be so different. Yeah. (laughs) Than, than what we're used to. So going back to the work that you do, what is your mission in the work that you do and what do you work on specifically with clients? So my kind of mission and my goal is just to make people healthier in simpler terms. Like I really, truly, genuinely like care for people and I want them to be healthy and I want to shed my knowledge and everything I've learned and what I've experienced and just simple tweaks in people's lifestyles and see powerful changes. Certain areas I help people in is digestive health, of course, which is something that so many people deal with. I'm sure we'll get into that later. Hormone, adrenal fatigue, stress, anxiety, mental health, but just in general, just people trying to kind of live a healthier lifestyle and navigating through all the noise out there right now and just kind of guiding them through to yeah so they're more mindful of their health healthier relationships with food Mm. they feel good eating foods and it's more sustainable than these fad diets that you know they people burn out from and just really trying to make people healthier and really guiding them through that yeah what exactly is holistic nutrition and what are some of the foundational elements of it? So holistic nutrition, it's basically, it looks at the individual as a whole and it really kind of digs deep into kind of root causes as to what's causing an imbalance and finding the root cause and not putting a bandaid effect on it. So we look at everything from diet, of course, to lifestyle, to even spiritual beliefs, to stress, and really the whole picture as to how that individual is acting and you know, what they're putting into their body, but also what they're thinking, how they're moving, if they're exercising, how much water they're drinking. So it's kind of like a whole picture of that individual. And it's really, yeah, it's using all of those systems and integrating them and seeing what's going on with that individual to kind of help heal that person from a mental as well as a physical standpoint. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And it's something that I really resonate with too. And one reason why I resonate with your work and food mentality is because we both view food for its value, what it can do for our bodies and how it can heal us. We're not concerned with looking at food for its caloric count, whether it's deemed as healthy or not, mm-hmm. evaluating how many pounds it will add to the scale. It's so much more than that. So talk to me about why food is imperative for our mental health, specifically what you touched on before, mood, stress, sleep, hormone balance, all that good stuff. All that. So there is a gut brain connection and the gut is commonly referred to as like the second brain. So that being said, that in itself is what we eat has such an impact on how we feel in a mental standpoint. So the gut brain connection basically describes the communication between our gut and our brain. And these are connected through neurotransmitters. So they're kind of like body chemical messengers that they're constantly in contact with. And they're sending messages from from the brain to the gut. And serotonin, which lots of people know as the happy brain chemical, that is produced in the gut. 90% of it is actually created in the gut. 
So what does this mean is that, you know, if the gut is unhealthy and we're feeding it unhealthy foods and there's an imbalance, there's a dysbiosis going on, oftentimes those are the people that do or can suffer from mental health things such as like low mood or depression or anxiety. Because if 90% of it is actually created in the gut and the gut is not working optimally, the brain, those signals will be just kind of totally off and they won't be transferred properly or created. So that's kind of like the gut brain connection. And there's also GABA, which is also neurotransmitter. And GABA is responsible for kind of stress, anxiety, controls, fear, calmness. And that's produced as well in the gut by our gut microbes. So once again, when the gut is kind of out of balance and there's things going on there, these, these really potent and important neurotransmitters that we need for our mental health aren't going to do their job or not going to even be produced or created. Hmm. And what are the signals that our gut health is out of balance? I mean, everyone will experience different things, but common things that are kind of what you, when you know your body needs healing or your gut needs to be repaired are like bloating, gas, burping, especially after meals and consistently, not just the odd time, because of course we all experience that, Uh, constipation, diarrhea, indigestion, GERD, um, even skin issues. So oftentimes skin issues can be traced back to the gut. The skin is the last place where things will be shown. So when things are going on down there, they'll come through almost in the skin. So that's a good indicator. And even just like feeling low energy, brain fog, you know, so if we're not digesting properly, we're not absorbing properly and our nutrients aren't being absorbed. So feeling sluggish, low energy, brain fog, and those types of things. So those are like kind of common symptoms, but more so like the bloating, a lot of people experience that. And that is definitely not normal. And the first day of nutrition school, we were told that it is not normal to walk around looking pregnant when you're not pregnant. Like that is just not (laughs) normal. When I would go to my doctor and, and she'd be like, oh, it's normal. Like we all experience that. Like that's just your body telling you something is up and you need to, you need to figure out what's going on. I'm happy you mentioned the skin thing because I think I was at a dermatologist appointment once and this dermatologist said to me, the skincare industry is huge, but no skincare product is worth more than the foods you're putting into your body. And don't get me wrong. There are tons of skincare products that do the job of enhancing or minimizing certain features of your skin, but true glowing hydrated skin comes from the food that we eat. And it's so interesting totally. you say that that really connects back down to our gut. Yeah. And what we're putting into our body and just kind of like an optimal liver that's detoxing properly. Mm -hmm. And all of that really comes down to what you're putting on your fork and like how you're feeding and nourishing your body. One question I have is, do we we start with a good gut or how how does it get (laughs) to a point where we have to we have to fix it or take me through that journey of yeah you know the the life cycle of of the gut from the moment we're born to you know someone in their mid 20s late 20s 30s let me just tell you a bit about our microbiome because i feel like that word gets thrown right around lots um, essentially, our microbiome is consisting of trillions of up, our bodies filled up trillions of bacteria, virus, fungi, microbes, and all of those together is our microbiome. And our microbiome gets formed um, right when we're born through vaginal delivery. And the first sign of that is our microbiome being born. But even going past that, you know, the health of the the mother and things like that is super important. And oftentimes, if the mother's gut health is healthy, the baby will come out with like a healthy gut. All babies are born with like a leaky gut and that's normal. And it's basically those years and breastfeeding, things like that and for, and the mother forming the baby 
all set up someone for a healthy gut and a healthy kind of microbiome as they get older. And then as of course, as we get older and we're able to make our own decisions, what goes into our body, all of that plays a role. But if the, if the mom is kind of has a dysbiosis, a candida or any sort of digestive health issues with an imbalance of bacteria in the gut and the baby oftentimes will follow that. And then that's how things kind of form. So it really goes down to the health of the mom and how the mom is eating, how the mom's lifestyle is. So that's super important during pregnancy to be eating properly for your baby to form the a healthy gut microbiome as the baby gets older. That's so interesting. So let's just say today, you know, the term gut health, as we're saying, is there around a lot. How do we fill it with nurturing food? So levels of our stress and our hormones and our overall digestion are at its most optimal state. Yeah. So kind of like some tips and tricks for like optimal gut health, you know, eating whole foods. And when I say whole foods, I mean, as close and resembling what you would find in nature. You know, if you think of like a broccoli or some kale, like you can, and tomatoes, like you garden those, you can actually eat those versus fast food. Like it's bits and pieces of like processing that you don't resemble anything in nature. So eating whole foods that are unprocessed, unrefined, and that's real food. Eating brightly colored fruits and vegetables, of course. Eating the rainbow, that's what I like to tell my clients. Just always changing it up though. Diversity is key, especially for our gut microbiome. We want to always be eating different types of fruits and vegetables too, and not like the same three. Broccoli, cauliflower, and sweet potato, for instance, those are amazing. And I have those all the time, but I always switch it up to like all the different other vegetables. Legumes and beans sprouted makes it easier to digest. Probiotic rich foods. So those actually contain probiotic, which helps the gut and helps kind of replenish the gut. So those would be like coconut yogurt, fermented foods like kimchi, sauerkraut, pickles, all of those are fermented and they will have like powering impacts on the gut. And then foods contain digestive enzymes. So when we eat, um, our pancreas releases digestive enzymes that helps us, you know, digest our food. And there's foods in nature that actually naturally contain those. And those would be like pineapple, papaya, and mango. So those are great to incorporate into the diet. Drinking lots of water, of course, you cannot drink enough. Water is a key ingredient to create our hydrochloric acid, which helps us digest our food. And so we need hydrochloric acid to digest and water is the majority of that. So drinking lots of water and then anti-inflammatory foods. I like to incorporate daily. Um, often I like to cook with ginger and turmeric and walnuts, olive oil, hemp seeds, things like that, that are just boosting the body with nutrients. That's awesome. For yeah. water, because I know that, I feel like I've gotten an answer that's across the board. Yeah. How much water are we supposed to be drinking a day? Okay, so water, like I'd say two liters at least, but then you have to keep in mind and take into consideration the other liquids you're drinking. So right. for instance, coffee will dehydrate the body um, of some water. So for one cup of coffee, you're down two cups of water. So keeping that in mind, but two liters is optimal and like two and a half. Um, you also don't want to over drink water because that's a thing as well. Um, because wherever water goes, minerals go. So if you're all constantly peeing because you're drinking so much water, you know, your minerals are going to also be flushed. So just two to two and a half, I say, but be mindful that if you are having coffee or anything caffeinated, you want to be ensuring you're meeting that two point kind of beyond the coffee and all that. Mm -hmm. And going back quickly to one thing, when you were talking about the different foods for your gut health, are there specific foods that correlate with your mood, your stress levels, your hormone balance? Yeah. So for stress, for instance, there are certain foods that are um, helpful to help manage stress and we can look at nutrition and stress as a whole category in itself. 
So with stress, you want to, you do want to reduce stimulants. So that's like caffeine, just because caffeine will release cortisol in the body, which is our main stress hormone. And so if you're already naturally stressed and you're drinking coffee, you're maybe dehydrated, it just will kind of add to that anxious stress feeling eating to balance blood sugar. So you want to be eating foods that keep your blood sugar stable rather than spiking up and down. So those would be like healthy foods, low glycemic foods, and like foods that would cause that spike and down and up and down are like the processed, refined foods. I've heard that cinnamon is a really good ingredient for hormone balance. Is that true? (laughs) Yeah, cinnamon's great. Just putting it on, if you're having a little snack with like apples or I put Mm. in my matcha or like a smoothie, that's awesome. And then as well with stress, there are certain foods that like are great for stress. And those are like our sea vegetables because they're like salty. Mm. Um, That's seaweed or kelp noodles. Those are amazing for stress and just adding those into the diet. Good quality sea salt as well, because our adrenals eat up our sodium when we're under stress. Magnesium, like there's lots and lots you can do with nutrition and stress. And I feel like it's kind of underlooked, you know, people don't really relate what you put in your body to like how you feel, but it, it totally can be managed and controlled if you know how to do it properly. Absolutely. Jumping into a different category, we're at a time in our lives where the function, quality, and strength of our immune system is of utmost importance. Let's go through what we can eat or habits we can install to ensure we're keeping our immune system in top-notch condition. Totally. So interesting enough, 70% of the immune system is located in the gut. So back to the gut. Oh, again, back to the gut. <laughs> is If our gut is healthy and working optimally and we're eating properly and everything's looking good down there the immune system is going to be stronger Mm. so it goes back to you know the host and um, how you're eating to strengthen the immune system and and keep the immune system healthy it really like diet does play a great role and um, especially now it's flu season coming along and COVID of course we want to be keeping the immune system strong so some tips and tricks we can implement uh, with nutrition is eating lots of citrus fruits. So those are like your grapefruit and your lemons, oranges, even kale and bell peppers. Those are really high in vitamin C. And vitamin C is an antioxidant. So it basically helps neutralize free radical damage and it's a powerhouse for our immune system. So vitamin C uh, supports our white blood cells and those are what protects us from getting sick. They protect us from infection. So they fight off infection and vitamin C will actually help support that. Whereas sugar, on a contrary, sugar will actually impair our white blood cells. So that's often why lots of kids, when they're young, they're always having colds and flus and they get sick as they load up on sugar and they eat lots of candy and things like that. So sugar impairs their white blood cells and that's what helps us fight infection. So citrus is great. Vitamin C, so other foods high in vitamin C, like I mentioned, are like spinach, kale, broccoli, bell peppers and then like citrus would be like lemon orange and grapefruit of course back to the gut so eating probiotic rich foods like we mentioned before those are all great reducing processed sugars and that also includes alcohol unfortunately there is sugar in alcohol so you know if we're drinking so much which lots of people are during covid and quarantine you are putting lots of sugar into your body so just be mindful of that um carrots carrots are high in beta carotene which converts the vitamin A in the body and vitamin A enhances the immune system function. So sweet potato as well, carrots, and then garlic, ginger, turmeric, those are immune boosting, anti-inflammatory. Psyllium, so psyllium is a mineral, but 
it's super, super high in Brazil nuts. So having four Brazil nuts a day is like the sweet spot. And that keeps the immune system super strong. And it's kind of like food as medicine with the Brazil nuts. Oh my God. I've never heard yeah. of this before. What, what is psyllium? Do tell. <laughs> so psyllium, it's a mineral. It's found in the soil. And yeah, it's just super high in Brazil nuts. There's other sources of psyllium, but Brazil nuts specifically are super high. Also good for thyroid health as mm, well. That's so awesome. Talk to me a little bit about probiotics, how it kind of plays a role with your immune system, your gut health overall. Yeah. So probiotics can restore our gut health. And lots of people supplement with probiotics, of course. They're great. Um, they should always be kept in the fridge. But you also want to be mindful of the probiotic you're using because there's so many different types and they're all for different things. So you want to speak with a health practitioner, find what probiotic works for you because it could have for some, if you're taking a probiotic that you don't need, because they all have different strains. So mm. let's just say you take a probiotic with a strain that you have lots of, but you're just flooding it with more. Everything's about a balance. You never want too much of something, but you don't want too little. So you want to, there's lots of different types of probiotics that you just want to be mindful of which ones you're taking for you. But probiotics are especially great if you, for instance, just got off antibiotics because antibiotics destroy our good bacteria. So it just helps replenish kind of what was lost. But probiotics are really great for the immune system just because that's the whole thing that 70% of the immune system is located in the gut. So probiotics are great, but yeah, just be mindful of the ones that you are taking and using and keep them in the fridge. So with with probiotics and understanding what which ones to take based on the strains that you need how do you determine what strains you're missing is there a test is there you know a, a certain type of doctor you see how, how do you go about that yeah so there um if someone has really kind of bad digestive health and they've tried everything and even the simple tweaks and removed certain foods that are common triggers and just they're eating properly and they still have kind of a, they're still not getting better and they're not healing. Um, there's a test that is great and it's called the GI map test. And it's basically a stool sample and it shows you all of the strains of bacteria in your gut. It shows you everything from parasites to E. coli to all the different types of good bacteria, even bad bacteria. So it gives you the full picture of everything. And I mean, this would be helpful for everyone. So I recommend it after trying some things. And if it's really not working, then like go that route. But it really shows you the whole picture. And like I was saying, so our gut, we have some good bacteria and we have bad bacteria and we'll always have the good and bad bacteria. And they're kind of on a scale. So uh, whole foods and foods high in fiber and fruits and vegetables will feed the good bacteria, prebiotics and probiotic rich foods and all of that feeds the good bacteria, whereas sugars and processed foods, that feeds the bad bacteria and they thrive after that. So they're constantly on a scale. So if someone's eating a whole food, healthy plant-based diet, their good bacteria is flourishing and it can win that battle. But on the contrary, where most of us are at right now, where we're just eating fast foods or, or just not nutrient dense foods and sugars and junk food and things like that, the bad bacteria flourishes and it's called a dysbiosis when there's bad, more bad bacteria than good bacteria. And that's where digestive issues kind of come to play. So mm -hmm. that test will actually show you which bacteria and which strains are high. So even if you have high, like there's certain good bacteria that they're high of, you wouldn't want to take a probiotic that's high in that because you just want that balance. So it's a really, really cool test. It really does paint a picture and it's probably the most clear and reliable test 
that you can do for kind of your gut health and seeing what's going on down there. Mm. One of the reasons why I started this podcast is because the world of health is so saturated with different things we can eat, different things we can try. What is your advice and outlook on how to best navigate this for the person who is either just getting into it or for the person who has been interested in this work all along? Yeah, so there is lots of noise out there, especially on social media, um, and it can become overwhelming and confusing. And even as a health practitioner, like I, I feel that too. So I can't mm-hmm. imagine, you know, people that aren't super, they, they don't fully know things and they see all these different types of perspectives and things to take, things not to take, it can get really overwhelming. But um, some advice I would have would be really following and listening to the people that you know are experts and have studied it and they do this for a living because there's lots of influencers and people that are just saying what they do, which is great, but we're all so different and what works for one person usually doesn't work for the other person, right? So just kind of finding a person that you trust and that has studied it and that you can get advice from. Because, yeah, there's lots of noise out there and you just want to kind of be working and find what works for you. Right. I think one of the mentalities that you you have and encourage your clients and, and those who follow you to instill as well is that it, it's important for people to understand that everyone's bodies are different. When you mm-hmm. have a friend who's eating certain foods that is making them feel great about themselves, you may not get the same result by doing what he or she is doing. And I think that's kind of where maybe we get stuck. We hear what works for other people and think that that's going to work for us as well. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. I found myself in that. And I think we deem these food trends as a one size fits all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's totally not a one size fit all. And like even using example, like intermittent fasting, lots of people do it. It's all over everywhere. And like some people have amazing results and they lose weight and they feel amazing. And other people will actually gain weight on it even if they're following the exact same regime, like they will gain weight, whereas others are shedding the weight. So even just thinking about that, how so different our bodies work and what works for one person might not work for you. And it's really finding what works for you and understanding, you know, what your body likes, what your body doesn't. Um, it's super cool. It's, it's, it's a cool journey. And, but once you get there, you feel empowered because you have control over, you know, you know how you, your body will react once you get there. And it's finding, working with someone and finding that person that um, is going to kind of help you along that journey as well. Yeah. Um, I want to bring up something with you that I think people either fear or love, gluten. Okay. What is your outlook on gluten from a holistic nutrition perspective? Is it good for us? Is it the enemy? (laughs) Where, where Where does it lie? So some people are truly sensitive to gluten. There are people that are celiac, so it's like an allergy and they cannot eat gluten. And that's common and that's some people, but not all of us are like that at all. And I would say majority of us aren't kind of celiac or gluten intolerant. And the issue with everything now gluten free is that, especially with kind of commercialized things, is that Sure, they remove the gluten, but they add a lots of other additives and other ingredients that are just not natural and they're not, maybe they're probably worse than what this processed gluten is anyhow. So that's kind of the issue with everyone going gluten-free now is that sure, something is gluten-free, but lots of people don't check labels and they don't really know and they just kind of look off like, oh, gluten-free, so I'll grab those. But I don't avoid gluten at all. I love sourdough bread, but I eat whole grains versus kind of processed grains. So like a wonder bread would be something like I wouldn't eat, but I would eat like a fermented sourdough or like a whole grain um, rye bread 
because I feel like I'm not sensitive with gluten, but the issue in North America is that there's more kind of gluten on our products than other places in the world. Like you were mentioning before Italy, where, you know, you can go there, travel, eat all the delicious pasta and fresh pizza. And usually you don't suffer from digestive issues. It's that in North America, there's more gluten and there's more stuff on our product, which is kind of sad. Um, another issue with things that with gluten, that is an issue is genetically modification. Mm -hmm. and glyphosate so lots of things are genetically modified glyphosate is, is a spray that they spray on our crops and it's a carcinogenic it's super super harmful for our health and a lot of people will actually react to glyphosate versus actually gluten so there's lots of things to kind of look at but when I buy any sort of like things that have gluten in it I make sure it's organic I make sure it's whole grains versus kind of processed grains so you want to be looking for instead of multi-grain bread you want to be looking for like a whole grain bread and yeah, that's kind of my outlook on gluten. For those who are gluten sensitive, so let's just say we're not, we know that we don't feel great when we eat gluten, but we know that we're not allergic to it. How can we tell if, if there is a sensitivity to it and does it have any effect on, on the gut? Yeah, so um, with any foods and gluten is a big one, especially gluten and dairy are often two things I, I have my clients remove for a period of time just to see if they are kind of sensitive to it. And it's a simple test. You can just do it yourself with gluten is you just remove gluten from the diet for three weeks and you want to be really cautious what you're eating and make sure that it doesn't have gluten like hiding. Like you want to look at the ingredients, make sure there's no gluten. So remove gluten for three weeks. After the three weeks, you can reintroduce it for three days, have things with gluten in it and see how the body reacts. By removing it for three weeks, you're able to actually see if your body is reacting to the gluten. And this works with any food really, but mm. I'm using gluten as an example. But in general, when we're eating foods that our bodies are sensitive to, it just basically messes up the whole digestive system. We're not absorbing our nutrients. So we never wanna be eating foods that do cause bloating and do cause any sort of digestive disturbances. So it really boils down to being in tune with the body and kind of understanding, you know, what you're putting into your body really has an effect and making that connection and understanding when things are off and, and doing something about it. It's so interesting. A couple of questions came to my mind as you were yes. saying that. Can you talk to us more about how important it is to, to listen to our body? Because I think you touched upon this before. If we're not, we can be eating a, a plant-based diet eating the rainbow but if we're not absorbing it then it's not doing anything for us mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. walk me through where where this absorption becomes inhibited and the the effects of that so yes absorption is super important because you could be eating super healthy and all the colors of the rainbow and fruits and vegetables and fibrous foods but if digestion is off and there's a dysbiosis a candida or any other digestive issue then you're probably not absorbing properly. And so food is fuel. So if that food isn't breaking down and we're not absorbing it into our bloodstream, then it doesn't really matter what you're eating, right? So it's really important to really figure out the gut and kind of heal the gut before you look anywhere else. Hmm. Interesting. Where does bloating play a role in this? And, and I guess more specifically, what happens in our bodies when we are bloated? So what's interesting with food is food, you can react to food up to up until three days after eating. So you could be eating, let's just say breakfast today, and you might feel bloated after, but really it could have been your lunch from like yesterday. 
So it's really hard to kind of detect food sensitivities for that reason, because it has up until a three-day point where the body can react to it. Um, but some people bloat right away after they eat, they know what kind of triggers that, but bloating is just kind of the body saying that something wasn't digesting properly, something is up. And oftentimes like simple things you can implement is like just chewing your food. Like a lot of us, we like swallow our food down and your food, you want your food to be like a liquid by the time it hits, because we have no teeth in our, in our stomachs and our gut. So our food breaks down, but if we're swallowing whole pieces of foods and we're not chewing properly, a lot of it won't get absorbed. So we want to be chewing properly and something simple as that will help kind of combat the bloat. Other things are um, bile. So our gallbladder releases bile and is stored in our liver and bile helps to absorb fat. So bitter foods will stimulate that bile production. So bitter foods would be like arugula or endive or um, dandelion greens. Those are super bitter. And even like, let's just say parsley, if you're cooking and making like a dinner, nibbling on some arugula like 30 minutes before, your um, gallbladder will start to kind of produce some bile and that helps digest your food, which is super cool. Oh my God. Yeah. And people actually, I, I do as well. I take like bitters. So it's like mm -hmm. a little tincture and then about 40 minutes before I eat, I just put it under my tongue. I think it tastes super good. And it just kind of starts digestion already. Wow. That's mm -hmm. so interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Another thing, I feel like you'll like this as well. Um, apple cider vinegar. Uh, lots of people talk about that. But what apple cider vinegar does, it mimics stomach acid. So stomach acid is something, our main ingredient we need to digest. So by even incorporating it daily into your warm water with lemon and the first thing in the morning, it's going to help to replenish and help to kind of make that stomach acid that we need to like initially digest our food. And by implementing all these like tips and tricks and kind of being mindful when you're eating, hopefully you can combat the bloat um, unless there's a more kind of severe like digestive issue that's going on that would have to be further kind of investigated. Mm, I love it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Those are usually the places I start though before kind of looking more just like simple things like chewing, like I said, is so yeah. underrated. Even just being like mindful about your food and understanding and not like rushing eating with people you like and not being on your phone when you're eating, just like super in tuned with what's going on rather than this fast society where we're like in the car, like stuffing our faces, like yeah. mm. <laughs> no mindfulness there. Absolutely. Speaking of tips and tricks, I'd love to hear some uh, holistic habits or practices that you do on a daily basis that you've incorporated into your day to day. So I'll kind of take you through like a, the day sure. to like for me to easily navigate through this. So first thing in the morning, I never snooze. I think that's super important. I um, set my alarm and my alarm set and I get out of bed. And <laughs> I just think when you snooze, you're kind of setting the tone for the day, you know, versus just getting up. That being said, getting into bed at a reasonable time so you're waking up well rested and not tired. Sleep is so important. Our body rebuilds, it regenerates while we sleep. So proper sleep is truly, truly super important. So getting a good night's sleep and not snoozing and then making my bed in the morning too. I think that yep. just sets me up for success. I feel accomplished. Like I feel productive and not um, lazy. And then in the morning, I always, not always, but I try to have warm water and lemon. Uh, sometimes I'll add some apple cider vinegar into that before I have anything else. And then I'll have, and then I like to exercise. So I do some sort of movement 
um, whether that's like a hit class or yoga or Pilates, I switch it up all the time. I go for walks, just getting the body moving first thing in the morning. I'll shower, but before I shower, I dry brush. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with that? Yes, uh, for lymphatic drainage, right? Yes, lymphatic drainage. So our lymphatic system is under the skin and it doesn't have a pump. So it only moves when we stimulate it. And so I dry and it helps remove toxins and it it's what carries our blood. So by stimulating the lymphatic system, dry brushing, you can do that with it. It helps to flush things out and with any sort of like skin issues or even like cellulite, dry skin, things like that. It just helps to like move the lymphatic system and help flush out toxins and crap we're holding in. And then, so that's kind of my morning and then I'll have my coffee, which um, this is important to mention is because people always ask me if I drink coffee and I do drink coffee and I love coffee, but I drink it when I'm in a relaxed and a settled atmosphere. So when I'm at my desk, I'll have my coffee versus on the go because as I mentioned before, it uh, increases our cortisol production. So if I'm running on the go, stressed late and I'm drinking coffee, it will just like elevate all of that. So I'll enjoy it at my desk when I'm calm. I'll usually superfood it up. So I add different powders to it Hmm. and that's that. And then other things. So like I said, getting out of nature, moving outside, walking, especially as the season is changing and we are hitting winter or soon we will be. I'm trying to get out as much as I can. Super therapeutic, vitamin D, boost immune system. That's super important for immune system to be outside. And yeah, and that's pretty. And then throughout the day, you know, I'm eating, I'm nourishing my body, I'm, um, I'm relaxing, I'm trying to, at the end of the day, I like to do some sort of meditative or yoga, even if it's a 10 minute, 15 minute, just to kind of de-stress. And I have a little nighttime routine that I implement. Nice. So interesting. You do meditation at the end of the day. I do my meditation. I, it's mostly yoga. It's sometimes I'll do like a low, a low impact. So it's like restorative yoga. So it's super, Mm. super gentle. Um, and that's, I don't, I I'm very bad at like lying there and meditating. Um, so it's more of some sort of like movement, but I'm trying to kind of calm down and not think. So I'm like doing my own little meditation meditation within that. I love, love all of that. Um, one <laughs> thing in particular that I, I do too, and I think I was doing it more when we got into quarantine was drinking my coffee when I'm calm. I -hmm. actually drink my coffee right before I meditate because it takes, I think, I don't know the specific numbers. It takes, I think like 15 or 20 minutes to kick in and I'll meditate for 20 minutes. And so by the time I'm out of my meditation, I'm restored by just quieting my mind. But now I'm even more energized by the coffee that has kicked in by that time. But I'm, I'm the same way. Amazing. Yeah, it's really important, especially first thing in the morning, having a cup of, uh, sorry, a cup of water before your coffee, because, you know, when we wake up, we are dehydrated. We've been sleeping for seven to eight hours, but we haven't been drinking any water. So we are super dehydrated and coffee will dehydrate us. So I always, always, always tell people to have a glass of water before your coffee. Even implementing that is like for everything, energy, just feeling kind of settled, no brain fog, just sharp and alertness water before coffee. I love it. Andy, this was incredible. Thank you so, so much. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, follow you, connect with you in any way, how can they do that? Yeah. Um, all my Instagram is just my first name and my last name. So Instagram's great. I try to post some, you know, nutrition tips and what I eat in a day and all my different types of lifestyle hacks. Everything I do, I post on my Instagram. 
So that's a great place and DMing me and asking me any questions. I love to talk with new people. Yeah. And anyone, for anyone who will be checking out her Instagram page, the photos of the food are beautiful. I have to say (laughs) you really, you really (laughs) market fruits and vegetables in a very aesthetically pleasing way, I will say. (laughs) Well, I I try to bring my background in like graphics and marketing into that, (laughs) but thank you. I appreciate it.